0: Hello and welcome
1: to the Spine and Nerve Podcast. My name is Dr. Brian Hovez. And my name is uh, Dr. Nicholas Carvelos. <clears throat> um, so today we're going to be discussing, I think, a very interesting, important, and difficult uh, topic uh, that I think as most uh, uh, as, as healthcare providers, I think most of us see this quite frequently, uh, especially at this uh, point in time uh, in our history. Um, So that specific topic is essentially the patient who is on chronic long-term opioids, uh, and from their perspective, they feel like the opioids are significantly helping them, and they may, and they oftentimes are in the mindset that nothing else has worked, and this is the one thing that is giving them uh, their life back to some degree, but from your perspective, uh, you feel like the risk of that uh, treatment outweighs the uh, potential benefits. And so,
0: this is of course in the setting of you know,
1: twenty nineteen world, where
0: we've been staring at this opioid epidemic for almost a decade at this point, right? And probably the better part of eight or nine years that we've noticed that opioids are a significant risk, not only to individuals, but also to society. Uh, And uh, we've had continuous data that has uh, supported that um, and, you know, and unfortunately has continued to rise even in that setting. Um, But patients, like you said, do tend to feel that the medications uh, are beneficial for them. And I'm sure a lot of healthcare providers out there can relate to the fact that a lot of patients will be like, well, but I've been on this for 15 years. And it's the only thing that works. Um, so, Doctor K, if you can kind of let us know what what are the things that would make you start thinking that okay, this patient thinks they're on a good medication uh, regimen, but you're like, yeah, that might not necessarily be the most true statement.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's a great question. And I would say I I utilize um, the what I call the four A's. Um, and before I go into detail in regards to those, one thing I'll just say uh, along the lines of what Dr. Jovez and I, was, and I brought up in the beginning, the how important uh, and interesting and difficult this situation is because um, I, I guess I just wanna emphasize as we go into this um, that uh, Dr. Jovez and myself, uh, as uh, uh, interventional pain medicine doctors who see chronic pain on a day-to-day basis, uh, we uh, understand um, you know, that a lot of uh, providers, especially in the primary care setting, are really the front line of this and um, are putting in so much work to try to deal with this issue. And what I wanna emphasize is how we understand how difficult that interaction is. Uh, when you walk into a room uh, and you have someone <clears throat> that is dealing with uh, significant symptoms, on a day-to-day basis and they uh, feel incredibly frustrated they feel like their symptoms uh, aren't fully understood um, uh, the, ex- the extent of them in terms of how they impact their life and they're clinging they're clinging on to this medication um, and it's so easy during that interaction for things to fall apart at any point um, uh, and so it's an incredibly difficult situation. I'll we'll talk towards the end in terms of um, a couple strategies I use to um, uh, and uh, that Dr. Jovez's, Jovez uses to try to make that a as positive and ultimately the end goal as productive as possible in terms of making the patient as healthy and as safe as possible. That's the ultimate goal here. That's really the the main goal. Um, So uh, we'll talk about those strategies in a second, but sorry, going back to the four A's. So what I uh, utilize um, when assessing the patient uh, is uh, essentially analgesia. So obviously right off the bat, um, uh, is there any improvement uh, uh, in the uh, patient's symptoms? And it's good to document that, uh, whether that's um, through a numeric scale or saying patient reports a 50% improvement or 75% improvement in their pain when they take the medications. So that's analgesia uh, with the first A. Uh, The second A being ADLs. So that's the function. Uh, ADLs uh, representing activities of daily living. So that's the function. So you're documenting whether or not there's an Im- improvement in uh, the patient's function with the use of the medications. The third A being uh, adverse effects. So this is side effects. So you know, is there constipation? Uh, is there over-sedation? Um, uh, is there worsening depression? So are there, are there adverse effects with the medication? And then lastly, uh, aberrancy. So analgesia, ADLs, uh, adverse effects, and uh, aberrancy so that aberrancy is that's when you document hey look i've looked at cures which we should be doing at every visit uh, that we are are, um, are prescribing uh, these medications so cures looks appropriate Uh, the last urine drug screen which we should be doing at least annual uh, random urine drug screens and then depending upon uh, their scores uh, for example the opioid uh, risk tool um, uh, depending on their score may be checking the urine drug screen more frequently um, and then, obviously, your interactions with the patients, your, uh, your gut instinct as a physician, um, you know, uh, uh, do you think that the, there is any level of aberrancy? Are you concerned about red flag uh, red I, flags?
0: I think when they talk about uh, as a physician or a healthcare provider, it's not necessarily just your gut, but it's your experience and mm-hmm. education, yeah. right? Like, right. So uh, <laughs> let's make sure that we're uh, emphasizing that, you know your it's not truly your gut it's it's a gut that's been honed by experience education uh, and appropriate training
1: <laughs> right Abs- absolutely yeah and uh, uh yeah probably uh, not the most I- ideal word there but yeah essentially your uh, what has brought you to the point where you are as a healthcare provider utilizing that experience um to tell you you know should you uh, be uh, more concerned in the, in that setting um, and with that specific patient so yeah, ultimately, uh, that's the tools that I utilize uh, to assess whether or not um, the, uh, ri- the the benefits or risks um, uh, uh, do outweigh each other in terms of whether or not to taper the patient. So why don't you give us an
0: example of what kind of a patient uh, this would be, right? I mean, I think... You know, the forays have been uh, well-documented. Obviously there's a lot of literature and uh, I think most people experience the forays in training uh, when you're gonna be prescribing opiates. But now let's get into at least some kind of a more realist, real-world type of uh, experience, right? So <clears throat> let's say, I don't know, patient comes in, you know, 55-year-old male, um, been on medications for 15 years, she's got some back pain, um, he's taken some medications and uh, what are the things in this situation that you would start saying? okay, maybe there's, maybe these aren't the right medications uh, for him. So kind of paint paint the rest of that picture for us.
1: So when you say, uh, when you give me that initial patient, um, I would say a common patient I've come across in my career would be that uh, middle-aged to elderly man with uh, chronic low back pain. Let's and where I would start to worry, let's say that they're on over 90 oromorphine equivalents. And let's say, in addition, um, they're depressed. Uh, um, and you can obviously see that maybe in their history. Uh, it's, it's ideal if you're ever prescribing opioids to be monitoring depression. So let's say their PHQ-9 is concerning with uh, moderate or moderate-severe-severe severe depression. Um, and let's say when you're asking about function, uh, you're not getting the sense. Um, and looking at their history, you know, um, uh, maybe they're, uh, they're not working at this point. Um, uh, they haven't been able to work. They uh, aren't interacting with their family. They're not doing what they need to do and love to do. So you know, the, the really one of the, obviously one of the main purposes of utilizing opioids is if we're improving function. So if you get that sense from that patient, which like I said is a fairly common situation where they're on a dose that uh, we would be concerned about to begin with uh, over 90 or morphine equivalents, they uh, seem to be um, uh, not functioning at the level um, that they deserve and that we would like them to be. And it doesn't seem like the medications are improving that. And uh, on top of that, you're concerned, as we know, opioids can uh, worsen depression, and you're concerned that uh, they may be a contributing factor to that, and obviously there's an interplay there. So that type of patient um, uh, is common, but that patient also commonly will feel like uh, opioids over the course of time, uh, physical therapy hasn't worked, uh, the brace was useless, um, none of the procedures uh, help for more than a day or two. Um, none of the other medications uh, worked, and they all caused side effects. And so opioids were the only thing and have been the only thing that helped. And now you're telling me that you want to taper down on the one thing that provided me any benefit. So that, that's, I, I would say, is the situation where as a doctor, as as a, as a, as a healthcare provider, you uh, want the best for the patient, um, but you have this, uh, this um, disconnect there. Um, so I, I guess one thing I would say uh, um, as, as I bring in one of the strategies I use, and Dr. Hubbard, I'd like to get how you would approach this patient too, but one strategy I use in this setting um, is that I let the patient know um, that uh, I say a couple things to them and I emphasize them. I say, I, you know, I care about you. As, as your healthcare provider, um, I want to do what's gonna make you as healthy as possible and keep you as safe as possible. So I emphasize those things. Then the next thing I say is, in medicine, I would never do anything where I feel like the risk outweigh the benefits, whether that's a procedure, a surgery, um, and when it comes to medications. And in my opinion, uh, as someone who cares about you and is taking care of you right now, I feel that the risk of these medications Outweighs the benefits, and I would not be doing my best job as uh, your healthcare provider and as someone who cares about you if I continue to utilize these medications the way I am. And that way, they are gonna be, they're gonna be mad, most likely. But at least you've put it uh, you've you've put it in a uh, in a setting uh, in a positive setting where you're trying to do the best thing for them, and you are. Um, you're uh, emphasizing to them uh, your your focus on improving their health and safety.
0: I think one of the things that comes in uh, handy also when starting to have this conversation with them is letting them know that you know we're not only trying to help them for today, tomorrow and mm-hmm. next week but we're also trying to figure out how their 5, 10 and 20 yeah. year window looks, right? Yeah. I think a lot of times especially when you're dealing with chronic pain the ability to think beyond the next 3 hours until your next pain medications do or, you know, whatever that kind of next thing is, is quite challenging, right? And so when you start kind of framing things and look, where were you two years ago? You were, maybe you were walking 10 minutes a day now you're walking three, right? To me, that tells me, yes, maybe the medication is helping you feel better for two or three hours, but in the grand scheme of things, you're actually decreasing your function over time. Uh, and so trying to help paint that wider range picture, um, that tends to always lead to the well, but I can't get out of bed without my medication, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, when you get out of bed, what do you do? I sit on the couch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and or you know, I I'm not able to do the things that make that make me happy, but at least the medication makes me feel like I'm a little bit more comfortable, mm-hmm. and that those are hard conversations because without the perspective of what the entire picture looks like, that whole five, ten, twenty year window. I think it becomes more challenging to be able to educate the patient appropriately to show them that they're, that this medicine's not doing what they think it's doing for them, right Because that's ultimately that's our goal is to make sure that they understand we're not trying to be mean, We're not trying to do things that are you know detrimental to their health. We're, we're actually trying to help them in the long run make the right decisions and to be able to do the things that will get them to be spending time with their family or enjoying their life again, or at least being functional and hopefully contributing to, you know, not only their family, but to society, right? Like that's, that is the goal.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's an excellent uh, point. And along the lines of long-term outlook, uh, I think one key thing when talking to patients about opioids is... Um. Although it's important to emphasize the tolerance, dependence, addiction, and potential death that can occur with opioids, I wouldn't limit it to that when talking to patients because you will get so- oftentimes a blank, uh, a blank stare, um, because in their minds, a lot of these patients are going to say, "Well, I'm not addicted to these medications. I'm not going to abuse them. I'm only going to take them, uh, as prescribed," um, and so. It won't register if you just uh, limit it to uh, that tolerance dependence addiction death. So I also bring up the other long-term impacts of opioids that we know uh, from the literature, including uh, increased risk of stroke and heart attack, especially in women, especially with the combination of medications uh, uh, with uh, acetaminophen and opioids, um, uh, suppression of the immune system, um, which can put pa- patients at increased risk of uh, serious infections and even potentially uh, cancer, um, causing and worsening depression, uh, significant al- alteration of the um, uh, of the hormones, um, uh, especially men dropping testosterone down to the basement, um, and then the potential for lowering the pain, the pain threshold. So, um, and I emphasize to the patients, you know. You're a strong person inside and out. Uh, this has nothing to do with who you are, but just the science behind it. These medications can start to lower the pain threshold, leading to things that usually would cause pain causing more pain, and things that typically wouldn't cause pain starting to actually uh, cause symptoms as well. So, just emphasizing to them, you know, it's not just that tolerance, dependence, addiction, and death, it's these other long term effects uh, that we're uh, investigating. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting
0: things I think that I've heard over the past couple of years um, talking to other colleagues that treat similar patients uh, is when you start getting into this patient right where they're not doing everything that we want to be able to to do for them you know they're not getting the results that we want uh using a verbiage of something like you know it's not necessarily that you're failing is that the medicines are failing you right the first time i heard somebody say that i was like wow that it's a it's a different framework right the medicines are supposed to do the things right they're supposed to do those things to increase your quality of life to help you to be more functional and if they're not you know framing it as the medicines are failing you not that you're failing as that pain patient I think can be a different mind shift uh, for for patients Um, and really just kind of present it in in a different way to help us to try to figure out what those next steps are going to be. All right so let's transition now to what we're actually going to do with this patient right so we've kind of talked about the conversations that we're having the ways that we're identifying patients that might not be responding as we would like to opiates where you know like I said I really like the verbiage of opiates are failing the patients um, so now what's the next steps what are we going to do to be able to try to help these patients
1: Yeah so I think once we've emphasized like we said you know where we're coming from uh, you know we care about the patient we're trying to do uh, and we're trying to do what we think is best for their health and their safety. Uh, based on the research out there and our clinical experience. Once we've put it in that context, um, uh, now we want to uh, initiate the, exactly how we're going to do the uh, taper. So I think one thing that's important um, when, when you're initiating that uh, the exact mechanism of how you're going to do the taper, uh, it's important to emphasize to the patient that we're still working on treating their pain. Um, in fact, One of the major uh, purposes of the taper, aside from safety obviously, is actually to improve pain and function. And you actually have quite a bit of literature to support you in that, Um, and I think that's important to emphasize to the patient. You don't necessarily uh, and probably wouldn't go too far to recite studies to them, but you can just emphasize to them that there is uh, significant um, uh, research that's been done on this topic and research that supports that as patients come down off of their opioids, uh, that their pain and function can actually improve. Um, I just there's there's many studies out there, but just as an example, uh, there was a, a study published in the Clinical Journal of Pain uh, in 2013. Uh, this was done by uh, Dr. Uh, Murphy and colleagues, um, uh, and it was titled "Opioid Cessation and Multidimensional." Outcomes After Interdisciplinary Chronic Pain Treatment. Essentially, what this study was, is they took uh, patients uh, from the VA population who had chronic non-cancer pain, and these patients underwent a uh, a rehabilitation program. Um, Some of these patients were on chronic opioids and some of them were not, uh, uh, but um, the majority of the patients in the study agreed to uh, come off of their uh, opioids. Um, uh, The total number of patients that came off their uh, opioids, uh, uh, or sorry, the total number of patients uh, who uh, completed the program was 600. And uh, what they found uh, was for the patients that did uh, come completely off of their opioids, um, uh, uh, even though obviously they were on high doses coming into the program, but were able to come off their opioids, they found that their uh, pain and function significantly improved despite the fact that they were no longer taking the medication. So a couple key points to take away from that. Uh, number one, that pain and function can improve um, after stopping opioids. But the other uh, part of that is that although it can happen in isolation, meaning that um, if you take a patient completely off of opioids, it's, not, uh, it's definitely possible that because you've removed Uh, some of the potential opioid-induced hyperalgesia, and because you've um, eliminated potentially some worsening depression and you've improved their function, it's definitely possible that their pain and function can improve simply by taking them off the medication. But I think at the same time, one of the other take-home points from this is that we want to, along with the opioid taper, we want to continue to treat the patient and continue to educate them and, and offer them other uh, uh, options because there are a lot of options out there to, to, to treat their symptoms. Yeah,
0: I think that's one of the most important things to emphasize when trying to do something like this with a patient, right? Letting them know, look, we're not abandoning treatment. We're not stopping treating you by any means. We're actually putting more effort in to treat you, right? We're going to be working on your Physical activity, you know, probably with some physical therapy, we're probably going to be trying different medications that are going to work for, through different pathways that can, you know, not just be adjunct medications uh, to help with uh, their pain, but will also help to lessen any amounts of withdrawal, right? Because there are even studies now that show that when people are having quote unquote breakthrough pain, that maybe it's actually the fact that they're coming into a minor episode of withdrawal that's coming through, right? And so we're adding in those medications you know if it's appropriate for the patient uh, and their anatomy um, and function uh, would a lot for it you know sometimes we'll add procedures into the mix to be able to do it so generally speaking our overall treatment plan is a much more complex plan for the patient and making sure that they're emphasizing that to them and that they understand like look we're actually putting more work in to be able to decrease the amount of opiates that you're on and to be able to get you into a better functional picture, right? And it's a very different um, picture than most of the patients are thinking when you're telling them you're taking opiates, right? For them, they feel like you're abandoning me, you're leaving me, um, but being able to spell that out for them truly is as like, no, this is, this is actually a lot more work to get you off the opiates, but it's still the right thing because we, we feel that that work is necessary
1: yeah absolutely you know for uh those uh, sports fans out there um it's it's kind of along the lines of you know when you have a coach uh and they're getting on your case they're yelling at you it's because they care and it's it's along those lines that um you know probably probably one of the easiest uh, things to do in medicine is just to write a prescription that's easy for us that's easy for the patient everyone's happy uh, you know these other things are like Dr. Hovis was saying. They take more time. Uh, uh, they're more difficult. So, kind of making the patient see that 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 uh, we're on their team. Uh, we have their health and their safety in mind. Um, so, <clears throat> to just uh, summarize uh, what we've uh, discussed here. So, uh, I think some of the big things are some of the take uh, some of the key points are. Uh, this is a difficult. Uh, situation, um, you know, it's difficult for us. We we un- we know it's uh, difficult for any uh, healthcare uh, provider. Um, the uh, everyone's going to develop their own approach to it. Uh, uh, just as you know, uh, suggestions um, and to pr- uh, provide as much uh, help as we can um, to anyone uh, potentially listening to this podcast. You know, I think <laughs> some of the key strategies and in, uh, in terms of uh, the approach are to start out by. Um, making sure the patient understands uh where you're coming from um that you you know you care about them that uh, that uh you believe um that the uh that their health and safety is going to benefit from this, and that you would like we said we would never do anything in medicine where we think the risk outweigh the benefits um, that's that's one that's one of the first and most important rules of obviously of medicine um do no harm so you know uh, that emphasize the patient that we're trying to do our best as uh, as healthcare providers to them. And then the last thing I'll mention in terms of a summary would be that when we are uh, initiating the uh, taper, um, that we are emphasizing to the patient um, the other things that we're going to do, including the taper itself, educating, educating them uh, on the research that's been done, showing that their pain and function uh, based on the research available, will actually improve as the uh, medications are tapered down. Absolutely, yeah. You know, this is always going to be a hard conversation. It's only getting harder. Um, doesn't matter how
0: much it's in the news. You know, every patient's going to say that's not me. You know, I'm not a statistic. Um, but it's a conversation that's necessary uh, in this population. Uh, thank you again, Dr. K, for all of the help in kind of wading through this difficult topic. Uh, as always, uh, this podcast is for education and entertainment only Uh, this is not meant to be medical advice if any of this pertains to you please seek uh, care with a health care provider and we will be back to you soon thanks everybody for joining us and uh, if at all possible leave us a review we'd like to hear what's going on out there and uh, what you guys are interested in uh, learning more about so thanks again we'll talk to you soon